hope that you're all staying safe and blessed during this time. I would love to share with you two of my favorite Christian pieces today on the saxophone. Um, and especially during this time, it has provided me with a sense of hope and strength. And the words to these two different tunes that I'm going to mesh together um, have just reminded me that when I surrender to God, He will raise me up. He will lift me up. So I hope that you have a blessed Sabbath. church family. I really miss worshiping with you all, but I'm so glad we still get to worship together virtually. Thank you for your continued support and giving. If you would like to give, we have three ways where you can do that. The first way is MarietaAdventist.org and click on give. The second way is through the Adventist giving app. And the third way is just by mailing in a check to the church. Happy Sabbath. 
Hello, Mac family. I'm Pastor Alex. And I'm Melanie. And we are super excited and super happy to be joining your family pretty soon. We are here in the comfort of our house because of the quarantine, but we are happy that pretty soon we'll get to meet you in person and spend some time with each one of you and get to know you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hello, Mac family. I'm so glad that you're choosing to worship with us today. Wherever you are, I'm glad that you're tuning in and that you're joining us. Maybe you're watching on our Vimeo account using the link that was sent to you in an email, and that's wonderful. Uh, I hope that most of you, if you have Facebook, that you're connecting onto our Facebook page, the Marietta Adventist Church Facebook page, where this is premiering right now. And if you log in there and tune in there, you can watch with the rest of your church family. There are intentional pauses throughout this message for you to answer some interactive questions. And I've loved interacting with you over the last several weeks. It's, it's a rare privilege for a pastor to interact with his church family while listening to the sermon. So it's a lot of fun. So I hope that you can do that during this time. Before we launch into our message this morning, let's pause and have a word of prayer. God in heaven, this morning, as we uh, spend some time in your word, may we hear you clearly speaking to our lives. May you challenge us and urge us and push us outside of our comfort zone and allow us to know you better at the end of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. In my family, we take turns praying now, your family might be like my family, and not everyone loves praying, and so we take turns praying. Whether it's before a meal or it's at bedtime, we take turns praying. Now, on Friday nights in my household, we gather together and we get on my bed and we read several of Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. They're rich stories with good values that encourage kids to be great kids and honor God. And at the end of those bedtime stories... We take turns praying. Sometimes we'll pray oldest to youngest. Sometimes we'll pray youngest to oldest. Sometimes we'll play, pray left to right, depending on who's lying on the bed in which order. Um, we'll, we'll take turns maybe in alphabetical order, but we take turns praying. And I love to hear my kids pray. It's like I get an insight into their lives as I hear them pray to God. And what's cool is so often they pray about what they can see. They'll pray about the bug they saw that day, or they'll pray about the stick that they got to play with, or they'll pray about how much fun it was doing this or playing that. They take turns praying and they pray about what they can see. It's pretty awesome. Uh, my favorite prayers are when they'll say things like, Dear God, thank you that I got to wear a superhero band-aid. Or thank you, God, that I got to write a picture, draw a picture on the sidewalk with my chalk. It's just insight into what they see. I've heard the story uh, from my parents as they tell me about my sister, Mindy, as she would pray as she was just a little girl. And it'd be at the dinner table, maybe on a Sabbath afternoon, having Sabbath lunch. And as someone would ask her to pray, she would begin to pray. And everyone would close their eyes and bow their heads. And she would say, Dear Jesus, thank you for that and that and that, and that, as she would point around the table at the mashed potatoes, and at the lemonade, and at the rolls, and the green beans, she would point at things that she could see, and her prayer revolved what she could see with her eyes wide open. Now, I'm sure that you pray as well, 
And so the first interactive question that I'd like to ask you today is, when during your day do you most often pray? So take the next 30 seconds and answer that question, maybe in the comment section on Facebook or maybe just interacting with your family. When during your day do you most often pray? For many of you, the time that you pray the most is right before a meal. It just makes sense. You say grace. For others of you, you might pray right before bedtime. Growing up in my family, I, I remember times where my dad, as he did his normal routine, as he would go to bed and he would kneel down next to his bed and spend some time in prayer. For others of you, it's while you're driving. Maybe before you even get started on any trip that you go anywhere, you pause and have a prayer. With my family, we pray on our way to school. It's a tradition. In fact, as we come up over the hill and look down the valley of Kennesaw and we see Kennesaw Mountain, we know it's time to pray. And so we pray together. Caffrey, Canaan, and I pray together. And on Fridays, we have our fun prayer. It's where the three of us pray together. I'll start, then Caffrey will go, then Canaan will go, and we take turns until I say, and all God's people said, and we say together, Amen. But whenever you pray, do you pray with your eyes wide open? I don't mean physically wide open. I mean, um, I'm not talking about when kids at school uh, look at each other and they say, I saw your eyes open during prayer. And the other kid says, well, you must have had your eyes open too. I'm not talking about physically open. But do you pray with your eyes open and with your ears listening and in a humble position to listen and see and notice God's response to your prayer? I think sometimes we end up praying prayers with our eyes clamped shut, not looking and hoping that God doesn't respond to our prayer as if we are afraid of what he's going to say. This morning, I hope that you're challenged as we listen to some words from Paul to pray with your eyes wide open. Today, we're reading a very small passage from the book of Colossians. Paul, a New Testament church leader and a church planter that went around and planted church, churches all over the place, he writes a letter to the, book, to the church in the town of Colossae. It's a small new church with, filled with baby Christians. Some of them are Jewish backgrounds. Some are from other backgrounds. And in this church, he writes to them as they're being challenged by these weird theologies and different ideas. Like there was an idea floating around that there's this hierarchical system of angels and that Jesus was only an angel and not the actual mediator that goes between humanity and divinity. And so Paul writes to help them understand that this isn't right. In fact, the whole book of Colossians is focused on Christ's supremacy and how he is above all things. 
And Paul writes not just about Jesus and not just about angels, but he, he also writes and encourages the Christians in this church in Colossae to live lives that honor God, live lives that honor God in their marriages and in the words that they say and how they treat others. And he closes out his book in Colossians with just a paragraph, but it's a par- powerful paragraph that speaks to you and me this morning. And here's what he says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Paul says, devote yourselves to praying and watching. Now, I know this entire globe has been on their knees, on our knees, more than any other time in our earth's history. You probably have been too. You've probably been praying for health and safety. You've probably been praying for other members in your church family. You've probably been praying for first responders and nurses and doctors, but I want to hear from you this morning. In fact, over the next 30 seconds, talk amongst yourselves, whoever you're watching this with, or maybe jot it down on a piece of paper or text somebody. Or if you're watching on Facebook, jot it down in the comment section. And here's the question. What are you praying for right now? We all have strong and specific prayers that we pray to God. And the beautiful thing is, God wants to hear our prayers. All throughout the Bible, God reveals himself as a God that is an intimate God that wants to hear us. I mean, in 1 Peter, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. God loves to listen to your prayers. In John 5, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That's the God I know. In Psalm 66, it says, But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. I mean, that's the God of the Bible. That's the God that I know. A God that is an intimate God, that loves relationship between humanity and divinity, between humans and God. I mean, we're, we're talking about a God of love that cares about you and me. He's not some far off, distant deity that is deaf to the words that you say. He's not some round, rotund, plump, immovable idol that sits enthroned on a cold stone that's not able to connect with us. We're talking about the God of the universe that spoke life into all creation, that echoes back praises to Him with every breath that we take. We're talking about a dynamic, immortal trio God that sits enthroned on the galaxies, that stretches across the universe, that bends low to the earth to hear your every whispered prayer. We're talking about a God that even though He could blink and worlds would vanish, 
He cups his ear so that he can hear every word, breathe in prayer to him. Whether it's in, in front of a congregation in a church, or whether it's just whispered in the darkness in your bed at night. That's the God that I know. A God that loves to hear your prayers. He loves to listen to you talk because he cares about you. And Paul says, be devoted to prayer. Now I pause here for a minute because the word devotion is a powerfully packed word. Devotion, it means to be fully committed. It means to be steadfast. It means with intense effort to do everything that it takes to endure, even if it means hardship. Devotion. I've seen devotion before. In fact, I've seen it quite regularly in dogs. Now, some of you are dog people. Some of you are cat people. Some of you are bird people. But whatever kind of animal you love, you're welcome to just post a picture of one of your pets in the comment section as I tell this story. But whether you're a dog person or a cat person, you've seen devotion somewhere. I've had a couple dogs in my lifetime. And right now, we have a dog named Penny. Here's a picture of Penny. Now, before you say, oh, she's so cute, let me tell you a little bit more about her. We got her from a rescue in Kennesaw called Mostly Mutts. And we went to the greeting room there at Mostly Mutts, and we met Penny. And she trotted around the room, and she jumped up in my lap, and we thought, man, this dog is cool. She loves us. We should love her, too. Now, the foster mom and Mostly Mutts guaranteed that she was potty trained. Well, that wasn't true. We got her home, and she's a sweet dog, and we love her. But let me tell you, she's not potty trained whatsoever. I would find wet puddles on the carpet in the living room. I would find puddles in the, on the carpet in the bedrooms. I would find wet puddles on the carpet in the playroom where I would lie down to play Legos with my kids. It was disgusting. Our house continually would smell like urine. When we bought our house several years ago, we knew we were going to have to replace carpet in the upstairs, and we decided that it was time to replace the carpet, except that we knew that if we got more carpet, it would be ruined by our dog, Penny. In fact, the only way to have anything soft under your feet in our house was because my wife, Jennifer, found these rugs online called ruggables. They're washable rugs. And so if Penny marks her spot on the rug, we can take it upstairs and put it in the washing machine to cleanse it and sanitize it there. And you have to understand that as a man and as a human, when Penny marks her spot on my carpet, it's disrespectful. I won't have it. It's an offense on me as a person. It's my house. It's my carpet. It's my rugs. And when she pees on the floor, it makes me angry. In fact, Penny knows exactly how I feel about her. She knows that I love her, but at the same time, she knows when I'm frustrated with her. In fact, sometimes I'll wrinkle up my face and I'll growl at her and she quickly runs over to me and buries her head close to mine, nuzzling in there, trying to say, oh, I love you. I know you love me somehow. She'll do anything I ask. She's a sweet puppy, 
And she's devoted to me. She'll do whatever it takes to show me love. She is devoted to me even if I don't like her. Now I know that whether you've had a dog or not, you've seen devotion. And so for the next 30 seconds, I'd like you to answer this question. Where have you seen fully committed devotion? Paul describes the life of a fully devoted Christian as someone that devotes themselves to prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want to be fully devoted to prayer. Uh, sometimes I wish that I just pray and it's a one-way communication. Like I just pray to God, He hears me, and then He deals with it. Sometimes I wish that prayer was like a Zoom meeting between me and God, except that God's on mute. Sometimes I just want to pray and let Him handle it. And I, that I don't want a response. I mean, I love to pray to Him and, and praise Him and, and thank Him and confess to Him and give Him my requests. I know He wants to hear my requests. I mean, Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And if you're like me, then you oftentimes pray a prayer that's based on Him doing something for you. I mean, I pray all the time for health and for wellness and for, for uh, to sleep well and for safety and for energy. But sometimes I don't want to pray with a response in mind. I don't know if I can handle the response. And yet Paul challenges us this morning. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful looking for a response, looking for an opportunity. When you pray, do you pray looking for a response? Are you watchful when you pray? Are you praying with your eyes wide open, looking, waiting, watching for God to respond to you? And I wonder, what do you do with that response? And what happens when He responds in not the way you intended and responds in a way that you didn't want? How do you handle it when God responds as you watch and look and He responds in a way that you don't want? Just last week, I talked to a good friend of mine. His name is Egis Wijaja. He has a fine Indonesian name. We've been friends for several years. In fact, he was a church member in the Buford Family Seventh Adventist Church uh, just across Atlanta when I pastored there. He's a great guy. Over the last several years, we've talked quite a bit uh, about one specific topic, his mom. His mom has been healthy and well, but the last several years, her health has declined because she has cancer. In fact, as it's gotten worse and worse, and as, as corona hit, Agus called me and said, Matt, what do you think about anointing? And we talked about it, and he was able to find a, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor in the church that he was baptized in over in Indonesia. And this pastor was willing to go to his mom and to pray over her, to pray for a miracle, to pray for God's healing hand to be on her. And he anointed her 
But just last week at 4.30 in the morning, I got a text from Agus as he said that his mom had died. That's not the response he's looking for. Where's the miracle? Where's the God that can do anything? Why didn't he respond the way that Agus wanted to? And I wonder, how do we respond when our prayers are prayed to God and He gives us a response that we weren't expecting? I mean, Paul challenges us and the church in Colossae to not only be devoted to prayer and committed to prayer and doing whatever it takes to connect with God and, and give your requests to Him, but also to be watchful to pray with eyes wide open, to be looking for the response that God gives you. And Paul takes it one step further as you see his missional heart. He says in, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, he says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone. This is powerful to me. And I hope that if you're a Christian and you're watching this, that it's powerful to you too, because it shows Paul on a mission a guy that's practicing what he's preaching. He says, be devoted to prayer, but be watchful for the opportunities that come your way. And Paul prays a prayer that sounds like this. My mission is to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus with the whole world. And my prayer is that I'll have an opportunity to do just that. Paul isn't just praying, but he's looking He's praying with eyes wide open, watching for an opportunity to share the gospel message with someone else, even while he's under house arrest. I mean, he's got to feel like you and I feel too, trapped in your home under this uh, odd stacked against you kind of life where you're just stuck at home. He prays a prayer, looking and watching for a response. Right now, our world is stacked against us too. The odds are against us as Christians to spread a message. I'm not even talking about Corona. I'm talking about the odds that are stacked against us because of the polarization in America. It seems that everyone wants to find something that they can stand for or stand against. If it's political parties, You've got Republican and Democrat and Libertarian and all the rest. You've got comments and to topics about who the best president is or was. You've got people back and forth on if it should be socialist or if it should be capitalist society. We've got race wars and gender debates. We've got parenting methods that are in question as everyone wonders, well, should you vaccinate or not vaccinate? Should you be able to nurse in public or not? And when we get started on corona, it seems that everyone has an opinion. And the reality is, is that no one knows what to do right now. Whether you're the president of a country or a governor of a state, whether you're a medical professional or just a lay person that doesn't know anything but the facts that you can't count on, 
We don't know what to do, and yet we spend our time and energy debating back and forth, trying to get other people to come alongside you with your opinion. And as I've thought about this quite a bit this last week, I wonder what would happen if every Christian on the planet prayed a prayer like Paul that said, God, I want to spread the gospel and I'm looking for an opportunity. And I wonder what would happen if we as Christians spent the same amount of energy as we do trying to get others convinced on our political party or how we believe on Corona. What would happen if we spent that energy on discipling someone else into a saving relationship with Jesus? The odds are stacked against us when it comes to the gospel message. And with the odds stacked against you, what opportunities do you think God will bring to you as you pray the prayer that says, God, I'm scared to even ask this, but will you give me an opportunity to share Jesus with someone else? The response will come because I believe that our God is a God that is bigger than a virus. He's more powerful than a pandemic. And the church that shares his mission, not even the gates of hell will stand against. And when you pray the prayer that says, God, I'll do what it takes to share the gospel message, even though the odds are against me. Give me the opportunity. I believe he will give you an opportunity if you're watching for it. If you pray that prayer with eyes wide open, I believe he'll give you the opportunity that God will show you the way. Because our world is crying out for one thing, and it's Jesus. He's the cure for it all. He's the cure for sin. He's the cure for death. He's the cure for loneliness and divorce. He's the cure for suffering. He's the cure for corona. And the world cries out whether they know it or not, Give me Jesus. And as you listen to this song, Give me Jesus, May you listen to the ears of those that don't know Jesus, that haven't heard the gospel message, and that don't know that there is a Savior. you
My dad is my hero. He's probably watching this right now. He spent his whole career being a pastor and a chaplain, but because your career is not your calling, when his career ended with retirement a couple years ago, he wondered how he could continue his calling in everyday living. Just last week, he and I were talking about an idea that he has, an idea that transcends coronavirus, that goes beyond being stuck in your house or uh, social distancing, because his calling just like yours and just like mine, is to spread the gospel. That's his prayer. His prayer has always been, how can I share the gospel with someone else? And so last week he came up with an idea that I think is a great idea. In fact, it's challenged me and pushed me and made me wonder, what are the opportunities that God is putting in my life that he's answering my prayers? What are the opportunities that I have that I can spread the gospel to? And his idea goes like this. He said, Matt, what I really want to do is I want to go and connect with each of my neighbors. I mean, this, this corona thing is earth-shattering to so many people, and they're, they're feeling a need for something bigger than themselves. And he said, I want to go to them, and I want to introduce myself, and I want to uh, offer to pray with them and to continue praying with them. He said, but I can't get close to them. Uh, this won't allow me to do that. So how should I do this? He's priced out postcards. He's priced out magnets. He's thought about uh, giving something to each person that has his name and a phone number on it so that they can get in contact with him. And so uh, as we were processing this, I said, Dad, the best thing going for you is your smile and who you are. So we've got to figure out a way to get you uh, in, in a close enough space with them where they can connect with you, but we got to do it in a safe way. And so as we talked... We thought about lots of different ideas. Now, I don't know if he's actually done this, but you can sense his praying with his eyes wide open, praying to see the opportunity that God has in store for him. And so we said, well, maybe we can make those postcards. Maybe we can laminate them. And maybe you and mom can go to door to door, knocking on the door, but then backing up so there's plenty of space and that you introduce yourself to them, that you can connect with them from 10, 15 feet apart even. And then uh, after you've prayed with them, that you have this laminated postcard that mom takes out a Clorox wipe and she wipes it down to make sure it's disinfected and clean. And she leaves it there on the front porch so that they can pick it up later and keep it uh, with them. And my dad, he's praying with his eyes wide open. He's devoted to prayer and yet looking and watching for the opportunities that God has put in his life. And I wonder... For you and for me, as you pray to God, what opportunities is He putting in your life? What are the opportunities that He's given you, even now with the odds stacked against you? What are the opportunities that He's given you to share the gospel with someone else? During this incredibly stressful time in everyone's lives, may you remember that God is still King. He's King over the flood. And it's our job to be still and know that He is God. May you devote yourself to prayer and may you look for the opportunities.